Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Star Trek books. They've been around for decades. Join us, the Trek ladies, Kavora and Jen, as we discuss the novels one at a time. Welcome to the Ladies Trek Library. Hello, so today on Ladies Trek Library, we will be discussing The Entropy Effect by Vonda McIntyre. And so I'm going to start by reading the back cover of the book. The universe has less than a century left unless Spock can change history. The Enterprise is summoned to transport a dangerous criminal from Starbase Prison to a rehabilitation center. Brilliant physicist Dr. Jojo Mordreau, accused of promising to send people back in time, then killing them instead. But when Mordreau escapes, bursts onto the bridge and kills Captain Kirk, Spock must journey back to time to avert disaster before it occurs. Now there's more at stake than just Kirk's life. Mordreau's experiments have thrown the universe into a deadly time warp. Spock is fighting time, and the universe is closing in on itself with the relentless squeeze of the entropy effect. Well, so the summary kind of gives away a little, doesn't it, um, about Kirk. You know, Kirk does die in this. Yeah, you know, I actually hadn't read the summary until you just read it. I don't ever read the summaries because I don't want to get any spoilers when I'm reading. It's interesting. But I guess the fact that Kirk dies is kind of a major plot point. So it <laughs> kind of happens about halfway through the book or maybe a little sooner. Um, okay, so but what did you think about the... Like the characters, the characterizations in this book of the established characters. Um, I really liked uh, how the established characters were portrayed. Um, you know, when I first started to read this book, I had heard good things about it. But, you know, some of the earlier pocketbooks, um, and this was only the, the second one uh, behind the motion picture novelization, uh, some of them were pretty hit or miss, um, you know, with what I would describe as poor characterizations and it didn't really feel like Star Trek. Uh, but, uh, this one was very good. I felt like the characters were all, uh, really felt like, uh, you know, how they were portrayed on the original series and, and the story felt a lot to me like it could have been an episode of the original series. I felt so too. I like, um, I mean, I mean, since Spock is my favorite character and he was, he was sort of the main character of this story, which I like. But I also think that, um, Spock's character was handled very well as far as the way he acted and, uh, the, you know, the way he dealt with, with the Dr. Uh, Mordreau because that was his, it was an old teacher of his and, and Spock thought it was great to see him again, but then didn't like that he was accused of murder and wanted him to, you know, if he was going to, he didn't want it to be in the brig. He said, well, at least put him in, in a, in a cabin and you can have him, uh, you can have security watch him, but, but I don't think he re- really would have committed murder. And I mean, because Spock knew this person. So it was great that he could do that, that he asked for that and that Kirk, um, allowed it. Yeah, I agree. It was a good, uh, portrayal of Spock and, uh, 
uh, you know, the other major character besides Captain Kirk, at least the major uh, not original character was Sulu. Um, And although we did get a lot more backstory to him than what we saw in the series, I felt like the author kept pretty true to his character and it it felt believable to me, the the plot line with him and the uh, romance that he has with uh, an original character on there. Yeah, Sulu's character was great, too. I like that they explored his character more, um, even though we didn't get to see as much of Uhura and Chekhov, but, but that's okay. It's a relatively short book. And, and also the, um, there, there were new characters in this book, which I thought, I mean, they were also great characters. The, um, the security people, it was mostly like because, because Sulu was having a romance with Mandela Flynn, who was the head of security on the Enterprise. And Mandela Flynn was a great character, I thought, as Sulu's love interest. Yeah, I really liked her as a character. I thought she was a believable love interest for Sulu, and um, she was just a, an interesting character, someone who um, I think they described her as she was a, a stateless person. She had kind of grown up on different worlds, and she didn't really have a home of her own or a place that she thought of as a as a home, um, but she had some similar interests to Sulu. Um she taught Sulu judo and he was teaching her fencing. And, you know, sometimes in the stories when they write an original character who's a love interest, it just feels forced. But um, this seemed pretty believable to me. I'd say the only thing that maybe kind of made me laugh, but I guess it was in keeping with the time that the book was written, was the uh, Sulu with the long hair and the mustache, um, which you can see on the original cover, I think some of the subsequent covers just have Spock on them. But, uh, you know, it, to me, that was, <laughs> I didn't know that I really could believe it, but I was like, well, you know, it was published in, in early 1981. So it kind of fit with the timeline there. And, and as it, you know, they put that on the cover because it was explained in the book and that, that was funny. An agreement yeah. that Suli made with, with Mandela Flynn about if she doesn't cut her hair, he'll let his hair grow long. <laughs> That was pretty neat. And and then the rest of the security team, you had um, a woman who was this genetically engineered uh, muscular woman and another uh, person that was like a cat creature. I mean, all of these were great, and I thought it's really what a security team should be. It's what you would think, like, why aren't they all like this? I mean, people that, that you would really be afraid of if you saw them. Yeah, they, all of the original characters who were part of the security team were interesting. Um, the woman you're talking about, her name was Jennifer Arist- Aristides. Um, she was interesting. Yes, you said genetically engineered. She came from a high gravity planet, so she was like very muscular. And but interestingly enough, in the in the book, although she was part of security, she was the one character who didn't want to be a part of security. Um, and, and at the end ends up getting transferred to the botany department. Um, but yeah, they, these were all pretty interesting original characters. Yeah, that was interesting. And, and I like how she was developed too, because she was, she, she was made fun of and bullied for her looks because she was considered, she was a woman, but she was considered a less attractive woman. And, and she was very sensitive to that. And I thought, I just thought that was, um, a, a great characterization there. Yeah, I liked her and their and the other uh, security team original characters. As you mentioned, there was like a cat, a uh, felinoid uh, person, and some other more minor ones. Um, 
And then I don't know if we want to get into some of the other original characters who were not part of the security team, but were part of uh, another ship's crew and then some people from the planet LF Prime. There were several characters that were well-developed in the book. And then we also have the um, the one we would call the villain, Dr. Mordro, um, Spock's old mentor. And, and he was an interesting character, too, because this book, you know, involves time travel. And so we have this man who really he had he was di- he had different personalities and different timelines just because of um, not because of being raised differently, because the timelines didn't split until he was older. But the fact that there was the the one that was like a villain that that didn't care about what he what he did to the timeline and the one that was nice and wanted to to save his friends. Yeah, he was an interesting character. Um, and as you said, multiple characters. There was the him from the 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 current timeline, I guess you could call it, who was the the prisoner on the Enterprise, and then there was the Mordreau from the the past. And then the the one from the future who, well, I guess there were two ones from the future. There was the, the, you could say the good one from the future who was trying to come back in time and prevent his younger self from uh, doing this, you know, conducting these uh, temporal experiments. And then there was the crazy uh, Mordro from the future. And that one reminded me of, and I'm so, I should have looked it up. I'm so terrible with episode names, but there was an original series episode with, um, you know, where they go to the prison, the penal planet, and there's the uh, the guy who has been conducting these experiments, um, and he goes crazy. And it reminded me a bit of, of him. Oh, Dagger of the Mind, that one yeah. with the, yeah, where they sit in the chair and some, it does something, the neural paralyzes that does something to their brain. Yeah, yes, exactly. It, it does, it does uh, remind you of that. But yeah, he was an interesting character, and then there was, um, the character of the, the, I'd say the, to me, it felt like the real villain was actually Ian Brathwaite, who was the prosecuting attorney from LF Prime, because he was the one who was trying to foil everything that Spock and McCoy and the future doctor were trying to do to correct the timeline. Yes, I wanted to mention him too, because he was, you know, it's like, it's like he, he's the one that was really there to get in everybody's way. And the one that was that was that seems like he was there just to to to, to throw suspicion and to cause uh, we I want to say injustice, <laughs> but I mean yeah he's the one that got Scotty to he he made Scotty suspicious of the other characters. That was one of the things that I was kind of like oh, I'm not sure about that, but but yes Ian was there to to be a, a real antagonist. Yeah, I agree. I don't know that I completely bought the idea that this guy, Ian Brathwaite, would be able to convince Scotty that Dr. McCoy and Spock were were up to no good and were trying to sabotage the, the Enterprise. I, I would hope that Scotty would, you know, trust McCoy and Spock over this guy that he's just met. Um, so that, that little plot line was a little hard to believe. Yeah, that one was... But, uh, Mordro and the way he was with his, with his friends, when we finally get to see him, when he wants to send his friends back in time, and then we find out how adamant his friends were that they really wanted to go back in time. And the fact that Mordro was, to, to him, you know, the good Mordro was really just trying to help his friends. Yeah, he, I mean, he definitely didn't realize the consequences of his actions. Um, 
I, I did wonder though, they never really explained in the book why his friends were so adamant about going back and living in the past. And the one guy, uh, Param, I think was his name, uh, one of the uh, Mordro's friends, when, you know, when, when the yes. Mordro from the future, uh, decides, convinces his past self to not continue with his experiments and not send his friends back in time, Param gets very angry and acts like, you know, Mordro has ruined his whole life. So kind of wondered what, why would somebody want to go back in time that much that, you know, so they didn't really explain that, but although that was not really like a major. I, I kind of got the impression that, that they just felt like they could have better lives in the past, even though it, yeah, it wasn't explained, but, but they, but for some reason, I don't know, they might've been like against technology for one thing and just wanted to live in simpler times, but yeah, yeah the, it wasn't gone into. Uh, yeah, that, that could be, and that would be interesting because if if you're against technology, but but you're okay with with using a time travel mechanism to how ironic. <laughs> uh, but I did want to say, going back to Ian Brathwaite, uh, just a thought occurred to me as I was reading this: the whole plot line with with him trying to foil uh, Spock and McCoy's attempts to to fix things was sort of based on the premise that he didn't have all of the information and he didn't know what they were trying to do. So he assumed the worst and assumed they were the villains. And it really reminded me of, I don't know if you ever watched this show in the seventies, three's company. Yes. uh, Every episode of three's company was like one person overhears something or they make a miss, you know, they make an assumption that's not true. And based on this, them whole believing something incorrect then they go about, you know, something else. And if they only knew, you know, the full story, we wouldn't have the episode. And it, it felt to me very much like a, a Three's Company episode in a way set in Star Trek with this guy, you know, thinking he's got all the information and he really doesn't. And he's really trying to ruin everyone else's trying to, to do the right thing. Yes, I do. Because Three's Company was kind of like um based on misunderstandings, right? And that's kind of what this was, this one guy who didn't really know everything that was going on. And but, you know, you and you can't blame him because the like they said in the books, all of the records for Dr. Mordrow, they had all been destroyed. It, it was all kept a secret as to what really happened. Yeah, true. Although it makes you wonder, of course, if if Spock and McCoy had filled him in on what was happening, then, you know, they, a lot of their problems uh, wouldn't have happened. But at the same time, they felt like they couldn't talk about what was happening because it was involved, you know, tempering with, uh, altering the timeline. So. Right. And so um, what were some things you liked about the book? Oh, uh, well, uh, it, there was one other character I'd like to talk about too, which was um, Hunter. Hunter. Hunter, yes. Captain Hunter. Um, and she was the captain of the Airfin. I'm going to say that. I don't know that if that's how it's pronounced. Uh, who was kind of like a, a former love interest of Kirk. Um, so, of course, that had a very, you know, original series feel with Kirk encountering someone who was his former lover, um, but now a captain. And uh, she was an interesting character as well. And, and Sulu ended up, in, in one of the timelines, transferring over to her ship. Um, I, I don't know, though, what... I mean, other than the fact that she sort of served as a in a capacity for Sulu's, you know, in this whole one timeline where he wanted to move forward in his career um, and transfer to her ship, I don't know 
that her character really served a whole lot of purpose. Um, and it also was a very 70s sort of feel with, you know, her being a former love interest of Kirk, but also being a part of this, um, I don't know what you call it, uh, you know, in a society where there's like a group marriage. Yes. Invited Kirk to join her group marriage several times and he had declined. I think they called it a partnership in this book, which I kind of, and you get the impression it's a polyamorous relationship where you have several, it's a marriage with several men and several women. And that is something, yeah, in our culture, we're, we're, we just kind of look in that and go, what? Well, that just isn't that <laughs> we want to say that isn't right, but it's just something because, because, you know, I mean, maybe it's just that our culture doesn't accept that, but yeah. And I thought it was strange that she, well, the first part, like like it says, that in the past she had invited, invited Kirk to join, and Kirk said no, which we could understand. And then in this book is saying in the present in this book, Kirk actually thinks that he regretted that. He's he's looking back and going, maybe I should have accepted that because I'm lonely now. And, and yeah, I was like, no, I, I don't think Kirk would have really been that way. I don't think he would have really changed his mind in, in that particular case about wanting to go back and join the partnership. Yeah, I agree. I felt like, you know, Kirk's first love was always the Enterprise. And, you know, as we know, he he never, at least, you know, during the run of the series and and some of the movies, he didn't settle down. Um, So I I can't really imagine him having regrets about, uh, you know, not being in this partnership. But, you know, again, maybe that was a very 70s uh, thing to, you know, exploring different sort of relationships that are different than, than what most viewers or readers think about as normal. Um, so in a way it was kind of alien and, and different. So maybe that's what they were getting at. Um, but, but also the, the character Hunter, I think she became more important at the end when, when, uh, she, she came to the Enterprise and said, like, what's going on? And she was asking McCoy, where is Spock? And McCoy tried to lie to her and, and when he finally told her the truth and she said, okay, I'll, like Spock had said he'd be back in 12 hours, so I'll give you 12 hours. I mean, she was kind of the person to cause conflict right at the end. Someone more powerful than just um, Braithwaite because they could just ign- ignore him, basically. Yeah, that's true. That is a good point. Um, and, and also the characters... Um, so, so as you talked about Hunter and M- Mandela Flynn, they, I, I found out they were actually used again in, in other books... So some by Vonda McIntyre and some of the other authors also carried them on. So it's great that, that they were able to reuse, you know, each other's characters. And, and also some of the, the past in, in this book, um, about Sulu's past growing up on, on another, uh, planet. It was gate, the name of it was something strange like Gangelo or something, but that, that has also been mentioned in another novel later on. So anyway, I love that connection, how they keep the continuity with the books. Yeah, I I had not read any other books where the where those characters were in it, but that is uh, always neat when you see uh, you know some of the same characters getting reused, especially when they're interesting characters. And and there was there was one line in this book that I liked: Spock is no more fun drunk than sober. I don't know why that one stuck to me, but it was funny. <laughs> And did you also notice the mention of Lewis Carroll in this book? Yes, I did. Um, 
Yeah, because that was, uh, you know, mentioned on the original series, of course, and now Discovery has used it several times. Uh, so interesting that it has also made its way into the novels. But in this book, it said that Spock, was it was it was McCoy or Kirk that was thinking like, well, Spock would never understand the Lewis Carroll reference. But we know that that, that isn't true. Now they've established on Discovery that, that his mother read him Lewis Carroll. I think they mentioned that in the original series as well. I think that's where Discovery picked up on it, that there was a uh, time in, in the original series where it was mentioned. It, uh, it was mentioned on the animated series. It, it was uh, mentioned on the animated series. As far as I know, that's where it was mentioned first. So, I mean, so, yeah, even though that isn't considered canon, a lot of the animated series has been sort of retro canoned into into Star Trek. So do we have um let's any any problems with the book? I know we've discussed a few things. Uh no, I mean overall I really liked it. I thought it was a great uh early novel. Um like I said it really felt to me like uh and uh like it could have been an episode of the original series and it was like the right length of time to be that too. Um you know, interesting characters, um, the plot line itself about traveling back in time uh, multiple times to try to fix the timeline. I mean, we've seen that in, in other novels and on shows, but I, I thought it was really well done. Um, so I would definitely recommend this book. Yes, as far as time travel, I thought that... Um... Yes, as far as time travel, I thought that... Um, I, I mean, it, time travel can be muddy. You, it can be confusing when you're reading a book. But I think this book does keep it clean. It does keep it where you can, you can follow it pretty well and, and understand everything that's in it and know who, know who was from what time period and not be confused. So that, that was well thought out. And, and also, yeah. and, and I like that, you know, the fact that the book is science fiction, um, because it's got the time travel and that the, the idea of that spider web gun, I thought that was good too. That was something new and different. Yeah, I thought uh, it was a sort of unique time travel uh, story, different than than some of the other time travel ones. And also really just fascinating about, uh, you know, how this same person can exist in different timelines and and change his mind, um, you know, and not realize at the time that he's doing something uh, that's dangerous and that can be used as a weapon. um, And then, you know, to have his future self come back and, and convince him. Uh, not to use it uh, makes you think about a lot of scientific discoveries that you know the, the research wasn't being done for anything malicious um, but of course it turns out that people can use it that way and would would some of these you know if if these people could have traveled in time would some of their future selves have gone back and said hey you know maybe you shouldn't do that and also I have to say um I mean again we were talking about the characters but this one had I mean, it, it, you know, some people might find it very noticeable. It was, it was a female writer and they had a lot of strong female characters in it. And I mean, I like that. I've read some, some criticisms about that, but I think it was, um, I think everything fit, fit well. It, it was all, um, it was all good and showing that the, the female characters can, can fit into Starfleet and they can still be themselves. And so it, a lot of the characterizations worked. Um, and, and I will have to say again about Kirk dying. I mean, you, we know that like this is Star Trek and you can't really have a main character die. 
I mean, so when you're reading that in the book, you know that that he that somehow they're going to find a way to bring him back. Yeah, I mean, so in that sense, it's not really a spoiler since we know, uh, you know, that all these novels written within the original series or, you know, movie timeline that the, the characters are going to have to end up back where they were to begin with after the writer's done with them. So it can't have uh, Kirk dying and not coming back uh, only on book two uh, when we've got hundreds of other novels and movies following that. So, um, but I'm, I'm really surprised because I hadn't read that criticism about uh, the female characters. And, and I thought they, uh, both of them, you know, original female characters in here, Captain Hunter and uh, Security Chief uh, Mandala Flynn. They were really strong characters. I thought they were w- well written. Um, and then, of course, there was the the security officer Aristides. Um, uh, all all of them, I thought, were very well done. So I really can't imagine anyone criticizing this. But you know, people will find something to criticize. And, and I don't think it was just. For, for the purpose of having female characters either. I think they, and, and I don't think it was just... Right, I mean, what's wrong with having female characters as long as they're well done? And, and I don't think it was just for, for the purpose of having female characters either. I think they, they worked in the story. It's not like they were um, thrown in just for a certain effect. They were actually thrown in because they were part of the story and they worked well with the story. So, I mean, I mean, this is a book that I read back when it first came out. And so now just having uh, reread it, it, I think it still works. I mean, it's, it's still a good story after all, all these many years. Um, even though it has, like you mentioned, like something that felt more seventies, but it's still, I think that the, the science part still works as far as, like I said, the time travel and the, the spiderweb gun. Um, I, I do think it kind of, it took a while to get to the time travel part. I mean, that's what I noticed reading it more recently. It wasn't until, until like about halfway through that they really got to the time travel. Before that, it was more about developing the characters. Yeah, I mean, I guess it did feel maybe a little slow. Uh, and as you mentioned before, Kirk didn't die until halfway into the story almost, and that was you know, the main plot point, um, which sets McCoy and Spock off to try to uh, go back in time and prevent that from happening. Um, so there was a lot of character development, which made the, the plot a little slower, even though it's a pretty short novel anyway. But um, I, I thought it was a good pace. Uh, the characters were interesting and it contributed to the story. So I, I don't know that I would have, you know, changed anything if I were the author. I think I think the way it was done was was good. And, and also the, so it started out with Spock, um, saying that he was studying a singularity. Now the idea about the singularities, I like that too, because I mean, showing that they, they were caused by sort of a, a rip in the time space continuum. And that's the idea of, uh, well, the title of the book, the entropy effect, like the universe is headed towards entropy, which means headed toward chaos. And it's all because of this traveling back through time, which like they're saying, well, that never should have happened. Like we, sh- you shouldn't really travel in time because that's going to cause all these problems with, with space, and it's going to cause space to to collapse in a much shorter time than it would have otherwise. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting uh, concept about how that was handled with the time travel. That um, you know, it started out with Spock studying the singularity, and you know, them not knowing what causes the singularity. 
and then eventually Spock coming to the conclusion that the singularity is being caused by the uh, time travel experiments that Dr. Mordreau is doing and that every time he sends people back in time it's creating this singularity which uh, if you know if it gets bigger and bigger may destroy the universe um, and so in order for things to you know the universe to be balanced the the people who were sent back in time need to be returned to their rightful time um, and that was an interesting uh, concept one of the so it's one of the themes of the book it's well which is in a lot of science fiction books like don't try to change time that's a no-no don't do that so yeah, um that is true and and this was a little different in it too because you know we have some later books and and shows where there's time travel involved in you know the whole department of temporal investigation series um and those focus more on like someone who's gone back in time and and changed something and that has to be righted and this was more about you know dr mordreau had tried very carefully to you know to make sure that the people he sent back in time were not going to affect history in any way i you know he they didn't say where they went, but he said that they were in a place where, you know, no one would know they were from the future and maybe they were going to be living isolated and they wouldn't have any effect on anything. Um, so the, but the time travel problem in this story, so was not from them going back in time and changing the course of history or anything like that, but from the fact that just by them traveling through time, they're creating this singularity, which is going to destroy the universe. Yes, a different, yeah, a a different take on the story. Instead of, instead of it being about changing time and something bad happening, it was just the time travel in general is what caused the problem. But, but also the fact that Spock, you know, Spock kept having to go back further. He went back in time to the time on the Enterprise and then he had to go back even further back to the time, um, to keep the Enterprise from being called back to, um, Aleph where, where they picked up the doctor, I mean, it's just, well, the fact that he kept having to go further and further back in time because he couldn't set time right on his first jump and then he couldn't set time right on the next jump. It was kind of, I mean, again, showing the entropy effect, showing how the more, the more you keep trying and like it's time is probably just going to keep messing you up. As as someone said in the book, entropy always wins. Yeah, and I wonder, and you'll probably know this, the title of this episode, because you are much better at episode titles than I am, but I, it makes me wonder, reading this, if the writers for Discovery had read this novel or knew about it, because, you know, there's a, uh, it was sort of like a Groundhog Day episode, you know, uh, on Discovery, where um, in that case, it was Stamets had to, you know, keep living the same day over and over again until he could set things right. And it, it was sort of similar in this book with Spock. It wasn't the same day over and over again, but, you know, he had several attempts to go back in time and, and fix the problem, and he wasn't successful. So he had to keep going back in time over and over until he was able to, to set things right. Yeah, um, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, the one, one of the long titles. <laughs> yes. So... Um, it, it's yeah, you can you can find similarities to lots of different things, which which is great too. Um, so so overall, I think this was I mean this was a very enjoyable book. I mean back back when it first came out, and even now, um, so so it, it definitely works as as a Star Trek book, and I think even as a, a science fiction book, it works very well. 
Yeah, I agree. This was the first time I had read it. I have read some of the older novels, but I had not read this one yet. Um, and as I said, you know, some of the older novels are pretty hit or miss, but this one was definitely a really good one. Um, the science fiction part of it was very interesting too. Um, and, you know, plus the characters and just, you know, a, a, I think a really good story overall that would have worked great as an episode. Okay. So we both agree that we liked it. Thanks for listening. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and join our Facebook group. Live long and may the force be with you. Nanu Nanu.